We're excited for what God is doing. Is anybody excited this morning for what the Lord is doing? You know, we have to be excited and not come in all with our heads down, all sad and broken. But uh, the Lord is doing some amazing things, and I, I just want to share just a little bit, okay, of what happened over the weekend, okay, because I get real excited about this. Um, are, are we releasing the kids this morning, the children? Okay. <laughs> God, we just pray for our kids, Lord, that you would bless them, you would pour into them, and just let them have a blessed class this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know the youth are staying in, so that's awesome, because I want them to hear this. But over the weekend, we had some very major things happening in, 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 the, in the nation, okay? There was two things that happened, and I kind of want to share on that because of where my heart has been with the Kentucky Derby. I've written articles, the Lord speaks to me through that, passing by the Kentucky Derby, seeing the gates being opened, and the Lord speaking to me about it, about the, the horses representing ministries, and God giving freedom to people to, to be in their ministries. I wrote, you can always go back and go read all this, okay, because it's all, it's all on, our, on different places and things like that, but I started praying about this past weekend's Kentucky Derby, and I was, like, so excited. It was, like, late last night, and Apostle Pete says, today was a Kentucky Derby. I'm like, what? I was like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe I missed this. I was like, I got to go back and see what the Lord's saying because horses represent ministries, and I'm telling you, like, we have such a big connection with Kentucky. It's important for us to know what God's speaking through that. And so um, I kind of wrote some things down this morning as I was praying with the Lord. And, um, I mean, they had gone through some stuff at this derby. They lost, like, seven horses before the derby even started, like, right, like, days before. And there's, like, this huge investigation to find out what happened with the horses. I mean, it was very, very crazy, the neck had broken on one of them. Some of them, uh, they got injured in their training. Um, I just started praying about it, and I was like, God, like, that's a lot of horses. And, but I saw it in the spirit, and I was like, God, that the enemy would come to try to take you from your race. You know, before your race even began, he's trying to take people out. He's trying to, to cut off some things on you. He's trying to stop you. And, you know, there were seven of them, which represents to me there's a completion. God is doing a completion of these ministries being cut off and stopped. It's going to stop today. And I just felt that in the spirit. Like, we have to begin to declare that because the horse that won was number eight, he was number eight. <laughs> and I was like, yes, Lord, we need a new beginning. Let me tell you how awesome this was, that the guy, the jockey who won, his name was Javier Castellano, okay? Javier means new house. That's what, that's what the name Javier means. It's from like an old saint from the Catholic religion of Saint Javier. Uh, it, it's, there's a lot to it. I don't want to go all into that. I mean, you can look it up for yourself, but... But, um, the, and the winner was mage, which means magic. And I was like, oh, no, devil. 
We don't, we don't step into the magic part. <laughs> but I started looking more into it, and the name mage comes from, uh, comes, it, it, it comes from the, the word Magdalene, like Mary Magdalene. <laughs> and Mary Magdalene walked with the Lord, like she followed him everywhere he went. And so I was like, yeah, Lord, I, that, I, I agree with that. Because, see, magic to me is the supernatural but the devil, the darkness has come to change that and to shift it uh, to a bad thing. But really, magic is a supernatural because the supernatural of God comes in and creates miracles and signs and wonders. And so that part, the magical part, all that mess is counterfeit to what God is really doing. So I was like, no, we're going to declare that we can, um, um, that name Javier, I'm just so excited about it. So I'm like, Lord, help me be calm about this and say all of it. <laughs> it also means friend and it means pal. Like us being the Lord's friend, like his pal, his best friend. And so they interviewed the jockey at the end of the race after he wins. And he literally says, I give thanks to Lord Jesus Christ for winning, for winning. <laughs> And I was like, I was watching the interview this morning, and I was like, yes. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because he gave all honor, and, and, and he kept saying through the whole interview, he was like, I was praying, and I was just praying, and I was asking the Lord, and I was like, yes. I'm like, because prayer is powerful. We need to learn from that, that he prayed and prayed, and God answered the prayer, and he won. If you see this horse the horse is small. I looked at this horse and I was like, that is mage. I was like, he, it's actually a boy. He was so small. And you wouldn't think that such a small horse, because smaller the horse, small, uh, shorter the legs, would, would have won this race. And I was like, that is the supernatural. That is God touching the horse and causing a certain horse to win supernaturally. That in the natural, we couldn't fathom that it could happen. But in the spirit, God can make whatever happen. And the horse won. And if you look at this horse, I went to look at the videos towards the end of the race. And the horse was so loving. Like, I remember telling Apostle Pete, I was like, I was like, he was so loving. Like, his face, everything was just so full of love. And I was like, my God, I was like, such a beautiful horse. And the jockey ends up saying, you know, it was the heart. It was the heart that had Mage win. Because the heart is what drives us. And, you know, we've been talking for a long time now. <laughs> Y'all are going to get tired of us talking about it. It's to get your heart healed. Amen. Get your heart healed. Get healing. Get restored. Get back to where God has you to be. Why? Because it's important because your heart is what, it, it's what you love will drive you to win. And I was just like, I was just so, so excited. Um, but we have to continue to follow and walk with Jesus hand in hand, and let him lead us to the victory and to run our race. Now is not the time to stop running your race. It is a time to move in your heart, and because you love the Lord so much in your heart that you'll keep running. See, because your run is for him anyways. So why not keep running the race, even though in your mind you want to stop, even though in your mind you want to give up sometimes, even though your mind in your mind there's obstacles, there's things that are the enemy's always lying to you. 
you have to keep running. Just don't look back anymore. You can't look back anymore. I'm, I'm speaking whatever the Lord's telling me right now because you need to hear it sometimes. Even though you know it in your mind, you have to hear it so your spirit can catch it. So then the second thing was a coronation of the king in London. And I was like, I mean, for me, that is supposed to be somewhat of a, not the exact, but somewhat of a picture of what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. They were all running in the streets, like thousands of people to go see the new king be crowned. Listen with your spirit, people. They were all running to see the new king be crowned. We are kings and priests in this house. Every time you overcome, there's a jewel placed on your crown. Every time somebody gets saved and they understand their purpose and their destiny, their identity of who God's called them to be, you get crowned. The Lord crowns us. And look, and you're like, no, how can you, how can you put the two together? He's a king with a kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. I don't know how much more. I, I always tell people this. I said, I said, does, did Queen Elizabeth, every day she woke up, had to be told that she was a queen? <laughs> hey there, Queen Elizabeth, you're the queen. Did you know that you're the queen? Did, did, do you understand what I'm saying? I want you to catch it in the spirit. See, we shouldn't be having to be waking up every day and Holy Spirit come tell us, you're the queen, you're the king. We should already know it and have it embedded in us, in our spirit. We're kings and priests of the king of the most high. This is the natural part, and they have authority and power. You know, when they were doing the coronation, the, the, sef, the scepters were power and mercy. Power and mercy. And I was like, man, I was like, that spoke volumes to me. See, that's what I'm saying. You have to catch it. If, it, if, that's, if that's the depiction we have to go by in the natural of what it looks like in heaven with the king, then we need to catch it. And we need to catch that when there's a crowning, that people are going to come to see the next crowning of the next king. That we, he left us as kings and priests here on the earth. To do what he wants us to do. James 1.12 speaks about, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. God has promised to those who he, that he loves them. Isaiah 62.3, You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. A royal di a diadem in the hand of your God. It says it over and over in the word. 1 Peter 5, 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Isn't that powerful? I don't want to wait to get my crown. I want my crown now. Get your crown now. Step into your purpose and your destiny. Step into what God's called you to be so you could start moving in kingship with him. He gives you the kingship. He's already marked and chosen you. You don't have to wait in line and say, oh, I'm just going to wait for God to come to me and tell me. Again, he, you don't have to be woken up every day to be told you're a queen or a king. They are raised up since babies to know that they're kings and queens. 
Everything about their life revolves about building them up to be the king and queen. The king that was just in coronation, he spent years. Look, look at his age. He spent years learning the kingship way. It didn't happen overnight. It was a process. He, there were steps from when he was a kid, literature, books, things he had to be taught. He had to be trained. That's like an apostolic house. You get taught. You get trained. You learn the giftings. You learn different parts of the kingdom so that way you can be successful in what your kingship, what your gift is, and what the Lord has called you to do. That's what it's about. To, for you to have authority and move in authority and not just be this person sitting in church anymore. He's like, I'm trying to activate you. I'm trying to push you out there to do what I've called you to do and created you to do. That's not even the word for today, guys. <laughs> that was me having uh, coffee this morning. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was I was there and I was like this past week I wrote this article and I wrote this article because it's called wisdom for the righteous and I've been seeing this for a long time but I guess last Sunday I was here during worship and I thought it was going to be like for last weekend, and it wasn't. The Lord was like, no, this is not for today. But he started showing me Solomon's life and how Solomon was lavished because of the wisdom he carried. And so I want to talk to you about a few things this morning about the wisdom of the righteous and how the Lord had, had showed it to me and even in scripture. Because um, we always talk about sons and daughters first. Before any of your gifting, before anything, you're a son and a daughter to the Lord. And whatever the Lord created you to do, you're going to do it. I'm telling you right now, even if you go kicking, screaming, yelling, shouting like a child, throwing a fit, not wanting to do what he called you to do, eventually you will do what he's called you to do. His will is on your life. And you should be asking him, what is your will for my life? If you are lost, if you are confused, if you don't know what he has for you, ask him. We make it so to see because the Lord is about relationship with us. He's not just about, oh, okay, I'm going to give you all of this and now you have to do it on your own. No, he's walking with you as your friend. And he's saying, come to me and ask me. What I have spoken about your life. What is your purpose and your destiny to be here on earth? Some of you should have died a long time ago and you didn't die. Let's just speak truth now. That's myself too, okay? Some of you were in a very dark place and you're no longer in the dark place. You're in the light now. Why are you in the light? Because there's a purpose and destiny that he already spoke over you when you were in your mother's wound. You are already a king. You are already a queen in your mother's womb. You just didn't know it. <sighs> I just get excited. <laughs> Psalms 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's talking about any wicked way in me because if there's any jealousy, if there's any bitterness, any any of those things that are in you, that he would search it out and begin to remove those things in your life. We were never meant to compare ourselves to other people. It ha- it, you don't even mean for it to happen. You're having a bad day, and all of a sudden you see somebody else who's happy, full of joy, has all these blessings in their life, and then you're sitting there in your emotions, and you're like, oh, my God, they're so blessed, and they have everything. And then all of a sudden you're in agreement with the enemy of what you don't have. So search me, O oh God, that if there's anything in me that's not of you, that you would remove it. Very simple. That's the first thing. He's releasing strategy this season to the body. He's releasing wisdom like he never has before to counteract the schemes of the enemy. If we don't allow the Lord to take us into a deeper healing in our hearts this season, we will be deceived with things that look and sound like the Lord, but they're not. It's a season of wisdom and victory, but the old things have to go for us to hear the Holy Spirit clearly. Hear him with a pure heart and not distorted by hurt or wounds anymore because that's how deception comes in. The enemy comes in and lies to you with your hurt and your wounds. Because he knows that if he can hook to those hurts and wounds inside of you, he can lie to you and you'll believe the lie. Why do you believe the lie? Because it connects with you to your hurt and your pain. And then you'll believe it as truth in your life and it's not truth of the Holy Spirit. And by the time you know it, you're not even in church anymore. You're not even serving God anymore. And you're lost somewhere doing your own thing and living your own will. When you were always called to be under his will. There is a counterfeit right now making people feel self-righteous. That is not the same as righteousness in our lives from the Lord. I want to show you an example of this because... Many people have been deceived in this area. Let's go to 1 Kings 1, 5 through 6. See, Solomon had, he had a calling in his life. It was spoken over him through his birth of what he was going to do and who he was going to be. Just like David. His dad didn't see it. His family didn't see it on David. They almost anointed the wrong person (laughs) because the dad was like, there's nobody else. These are all my sons here. And they almost anointed the wrong one. Solomon goes through the same thing. Let's read on that. I had it up, so just forgive me for a moment here because here it is right here. So David is old age. King David was now very old, and no matter how many blankets covered him, he could not keep warm. So his advisors told him, let us find you a young virgin to wait on you and look after you, my Lord, and she will lie in your arms and keep you warm. So they searched throughout the land of Israel for a beautiful girl, and they found Abishag, 
from Shunem and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful, and she looked after the king and took care of him, but the king had uh, no sexual relationships with her. So this is, this is where the king's at. He's old now. He's, has served, he's, have ser- he's served Israel already, and he's at the end of his life. So then let's go on to verse 5. About the time David's son, Adonai, whose mother was Haggith, began boasting. I will make myself king. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him. This is important. At any time. Even by asking, why are you doing that? Adonai had been born next after Absalom, and he was very handsome, which meant he probably did a lot of manipulating. (laughs) He was not behaving right, and he had not been disciplined. Verse 7, Adonai took Joab, son of Zechariah, I'm going to probably tear up these names, so you have to excuse me, and Abathar, the priest, into his confidence, and they agreed to help him become king. But Zadok, the priest, Benaniah, son of Jehoda, and Nathan, the prophet, Shemi, Ray, and David's personal bodyguard, refused to support Adonai. He, he wasn't going to take a prophet with him. Because <laughs> he knew the prophet could see right through it. <laughs> Verse 9, Adonai went to the stone, Azogeth, near the spring of Enrojo, where, the sacrif- where he sacrificed sheep, cattle, fat calves. He invited all his brothers, the other sons of the king, David, and the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benaniah or the king's bodyguard or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, and asked her, Haven't you heard that Haggad's son, Adonai, has made himself king? And our Lord David doesn't even know about it? If you want to save your own life and the life of your son Solomon, follow my advice. Go at once to the king David and say to him, My lord the king, didn't you make a a vow and say to me that your son Solomon will surely be the next king and will sit on my throne? Why then has Adonai become king and why are you still talking with him? I will come and confirm everything you have said. So Bathsheba went into the king's bedroom. He was very old now, and Abishag was taking care of him. Bathsheba bowed down before the king. We all know who Bathsheba was, right? That's Solomon's mom. And some of you are like, what? Solomon, the king, was Bathsheba's son? (laughs) It blows my mind. How God works that who we think is going to be in, in, in different positions isn't what we think. But there's a will and there's a purpose of what God is doing. See, before this happened, Solomon, Solomon is the one who built the temple for God. And you can go back and you can read precisely how he heard God of building the temple and how they moved the Ark of the Covenant into the temple and gave him direct orders, and he was obedient. 
What can I do for you, he asked. Verse 17, she replied, my Lord, you made a vow before the Lord God when you said to me, your son Solomon will surely be the next king and will sit on my throne. But instead, Ajani has made himself king, and my Lord the king does not even know about it. Isn't that the way the enemy works, right? <laughs> Here comes Ajani. I When I was reading this, I was like, this guy. <laughs> I was like, here he is creating his own kingdom, making himself his own king, making it look to everybody else around him like he was the one that was called when he wasn't. This is what's happening with people right now in the body of Christ. They are trying to make their own way, their own name, doing their own will, and trying to make things happen with their own power. And some of the positions where they're being positioned at is not done in discernment. It's not done by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And they were meant, never meant to be in these positions that they've been given, especially through Facebook. That's just one. Verse 22, while she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived, and the king's officials told him, Nathan the prophet is here to see you. Nathan went in and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Nathan asked, my lord the king, have you decided that Adonai will be the next king and he will sit on your throne? Today, he has sacrificed many cattle, fatted calves, and sheep. <laughs> Every time I read that part, it just speaks volumes to me. I've done everything. I've given to the poor. I've fed the hungry. I went and I did this and I did that. This is a do-to-get mentality. This is the do-to-get mentality. I've done all these things, right? He's done all the things in the natural. He also invited the commanders of the army and Abathar the priest. They are feasting and drinking with him and shouting, Long live King Adjani. <laughs> but he did not invite me. To Zadok the priest or Benaniah or your servant Solomon, has my lord the king really done this without letting any of the officials know who should be the next king? So all this is going on. Mind you, David is, he's not in a good shape. He's old already. They're saying he didn't have good circulation in his body. That's why they had to have Abishag come keep him warm because it was so bad not having the circulation in his body anymore, they had to have her come to do that with him. King David responded, call Bathsheba. So she came back and stood before the king, and the king repented his, re repeated his vow. As surely as the Lord lives, who has rescued me from every danger, your son Solomon will be the next king and will sit on the throne this very day. Just as I vowed to you before the Lord, the God of Israel. This was a declaration to me. This was a declaration that in the natural, everything looked chaotic. Everything looked a mess. The wrong king was trying to promote himself. And that position, he was never given by God. And here comes David, the one who has authority, the one sitting in the position of kingship. And he does a declaration from his mouth. Let me tell you, David and his declarations and the relationship he had with God had authority and power. Even though at his old age, there was authority and power over his tongue that when he spoke something, it was going to happen. Then Bathsheba bowed down with her face to the ground before the king. May my Lord King David live forever. 
this is honor right here. I, I was like so touched. We've been doing so many. If you haven't been coming on Thursday nights, you need to come. Because we did a whole school about honor and, the, and what it looks like in the kingdom of God to have honor. She was honoring King David, even though she knew that her son was going to be the next king. She was honoring what was present and what was in position now, which was the king that was there. We can learn a lot from this. Then King David ordered, call Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. When they came into the king's presence, the king said to them, take Solomon and my officials down to the Gihon spring. Solomon is to ride in in my own mule. There Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet are to anoint king over Israel. Blow the ram horn and shout, long live King Solomon. Then escort him back here and he will sit on my throne. He will succeed me as king and I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judea. Amen, Benaniah, the son of Judea replied. May the Lord, the God of my, of my Lord, the king, decree that it happened. And may the Lord be with Solomon as he has been with you, my Lord, the king. And may he make Solomon's reign even greater than yours. This is like kingship. This is kingdom. He comes along, King David, and he says, man, I'm in agreement with you. We're going to declare this together, that it is going to happen, because this is what God's ordained. And we're going to say this and declare it, that it's going to happen, because Nathan was the prophet. He had authority from God. So he, he does all this, and let's drop down. Let's go to verse 41. Ajani and his guest heard the celebrating and the shouting just as they were finishing their banquet. When Jaob heard the sound of the ram's horn, he asked, what's going on? Why is the city in such an uproar? And while he was still speaking, Jonathan, the son of Abathar, the priest, arrived. Come in, Ajani, and said to him, for you are a good man. You must have good news. Not at all, Jonathan replied. Our Lord King David has just declared Solomon king. And the king sent him down to Gion Spring. And so he starts going over the whole process of what just happened. He's telling uh, Ajani, right? <laughs> they have just returned and the whole city is celebrating and rejoicing. That's what the noise is all about. What's more, Solomon is now sitting on the royal throne as king, and all of the royal officials have gone to King David and congratulated him, saying, may your God make Solomon's fame even greater than your own, and may Solomon's reign be greater than yours. And the king bowed his head in worship as he laid in his bed, and he said, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who today has chosen a successor to sit on my throne while I am still alive to see it. That is so honoring that David turned around and bowed down to the new king, Solomon. See, the kingdom of God is all about honor. And when we honor the past and the past generals that have been before us, and then the generals come and honor us, that we would, be, we would understand kingdom and kingship as a place of honor for one another. That it does something in the presence of God. That it puts things in position. And it brings forth his goodness over us. 
And so Solomon is now in this position. And Ajaniah and all of his, see, Ajaniah wanted something he was never called to. There's danger in that. It's almost like a warning, this story, to say, like, don't want what God has not spoken over you or given you. Only want what he's given you in portion for your life of what he's speaking to you in this hour. Whatever season you're in right now, don't see what you don't have or what you haven't gained. Begin to see it through the Lord's eyes that your purpose and destiny, your portion of what he has for you is going to come to pass as long as you're being led by the Holy Spirit to say yes every time he asks for you to do something. It's a process in your life. It doesn't happen overnight. But the more you say yes to the Lord, the more he starts shifting things in your life to give you the position you were always called for. Even if it takes a little bit of time. It's like when a slow car is going in front of you. <laughs> Can we all attest to that? <laughs> and y'all don't deal with traffic here the way I dealt with in the city. But just the slow car going in front of you, right? You're like, oh, my God, just move out of the way. <laughs> or you try to pass them up, right? Because here you can pass them up. But you can't pass them up. There's cars coming. And the Lord's like, just wait and be patient. Wait and be patient. Don't try to weave your way into areas faster than you're supposed to go. Wait on me and know that I'm the Lord, that I have your purpose and your destiny. Your steps are in my hand. You don't have to make it happen. He makes it happen for you. I don't ever want to make anything happen in my own power, my own strength, because I know that that wouldn't be him. Matthew 6.23 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There is wisdom in his righteousness. Because when he died, we're, the righteousness we have is because of what he did for us on the cross. We didn't produce the righteousness. He produced it for us when he died on the cross and he was resurrected. But he's pouring out wisdom like Solomon. Proverbs 4, 5, get wisdom, get understanding, Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Proverbs 19.8, he who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. Proverbs 16.16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. You're already chosen. Proverbs 8, 32 through 35 says, Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction, and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors, and whoever finds me, whoever finds, me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. While we wait, we're gaining favor. It's not like you're waiting and you're like waiting for the Lord. It's like you're gaining favor in the wait because you don't want to do anything without him. The Lord and his prayer, 
I want to go over this first. In 2 Chronicles 1, 7 through 12, there's a, there's a prayer that Solomon did, that this should be our prayer right now. And on that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask, what should I give you? And Solomon said to God, you have to show great mercy to David. My, you have shown great mercy to, to David, my father, and, I have, and made me, have made me king in this place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this people of yours? It's like right there at that moment he's saying, these are your people. They're not mine. So give me wisdom and knowledge on how to teach and how to steward your people. Because you're going to be the one that knows what's best for them, not me. Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for a long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king with wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have ever had who were before you, nor shall any um, after you have the like. This was his prayer. You know, it's, it's, it's when you read it in different types of the scripture, that was New King uh, G- James Version. But when, when it's translated in different versions, it talks about Solomon asking to discern between good and evil in his kingship. That's really what he was asking for. He's like, give me wisdom and knowledge so I can know what's good and what's evil in the people so I know how to direct them and how to steward them. So right now, that should be our prayer, that we discern what's good and what's evil That whatever magnitude God has you over right now, whether in ministry or another area, even in your job purposes, that he would give you wisdom and knowledge to know how to steward it. Because everything we have in our life, our jobs, every part of our life is given to us by him. We don't get things just because we get to have them. We get them because God has allowed us to have them. It is very evident That by Solomon praying this prayer, and he asked for wisdom and knowledge. And we all know about the women, the two women that had babies. And he had to make a decision at that moment because one of the babies had passed away. And you can read this later in, in the scriptures where it talks about how he had to make a quick decision. If you read that story, you know that it was God that gave him such wisdom in that situation. If we were dealt with that that same situation, we wouldn't have known what to do. We would have been stuck like, what do I do? Who's lying here and who's telling the truth? It was only through discernment that he could establish who was lying and who was speaking truth. And he had to see the heart of the mom who that child really belonged to. So that's why the heart is important this season. Well, I was in worship last Sunday. 
the Lord started showing me Solomon's life and what he functioned out of and the wisdom and knowledge that God came and lavished him with his goodness. It wasn't like Solomon was just making it by. It wasn't like Solomon just had just enough. I just have just enough to pay the bills. No, Solomon was lavished with God's goodness. Let me give you an example of where it talks about this. In 1 Kings 10, 4 through 5. And when the queen of Sheba has seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built. Let's stop right there. Queen Sheba was from another country. She had heard about Solomon and the wisdom God had given him. All in another nation, she heard about all of this. Now, they didn't have the internet back then. <laughs> it wasn't like they could go to Facebook and see, oh, dang, Solomon's moving in wisdom. <laughs> Look at the lavish on his life. <laughs> it was like Solomon, <laughs> Solomon, because people were sharing the goodness of God from city to city to state to state, all the way to the nations it got to. And it was word of mouth, but that was the only way back then. They're all talking about God's goodness. And so here comes Queen Sheba, and she's like, man, I want to go check it out to see if it's true. I want to see if it's true what they're saying about Solomon and this wisdom. So she, she shows up. And she sees Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built. Because remember, the house he had built had the Ark of the Covenant in the house. You can go, I'll tell you the scriptures, I'll share them with you later. Where it talks about where God came to him and told him how to build it. And the staircases and the, up to the chambers. I mean, it was very detailed. And the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, what they were wearing, and his cup barriers, and his accent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord, there was no more, there was no more in her, right? There's another verse, I have to share it with you later, but it talks about how well-dressed they were. So it wasn't just Solomon in the lavish. It was everybody who was blessed who was under his, under his command. Everybody was blessed. They all had beautiful attire. It was the best meat on the table. Back then, meat was like, if you had meat, you were good. You know, some of you maybe not had had that much meat growing up and you had a lot of pastas and things like that because that was the cheaper way to grow up. Uh, beans and rice would be our culture, you know, fideo. <laughs> but sometimes there wasn't meat. There was just tortillas and rice and beans. <laughs> and in those moments, that's why they made it very, very certain to say the, all the meat that was on the table. It was like he had such... A, a lavish table from God of all his goodness in the natural. So it happened in the natural, not only in the spirit. And so she comes to check it all out and sees that it's true what everybody's been saying, that God has lavished Solomon in the wisdom and knowledge. So what does that tell us? That if we say this prayer 
and say, God, give me your wisdom and knowledge that I would beckon to your Holy Spirit to do everything that you say to do in this time, that you would send your goodness to me, that my position and your will would be upon my life in such a way that your blessings are going to come in me just being obedient to do what you say to do. If you're struggling and having a hard time, sometimes we got to step out of our own life and say, God, what have I agreed with? Have I agreed with poverty? Have I agreed with my family being a mess and in chaos? Have I somewhere as being a king and a priest in your kingdom have agreed in authority with something that you never meant for me to agree with? I've done this with myself. I've gone back and I said, God, please forgive me that I, I was in unbelief in this area where I should have been in belief. Forgive me that I didn't trust you enough with this situation that I tried to step in and, and create a solution when I needed to wait on you for you to create the solution for me. But I didn't want to wait. And the Lord's like saying, get wisdom, get knowledge. Become wise like Holy Spirit. Let it be your best friend. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be our best friend to lead us into everything in our lives. And when we create barriers of trying to figure out things on our own, we don't allow Holy Spirit to come in and lead us to things that we're supposed to have. So then the struggle comes, the counterfeit comes, and all the things the enemy wanted you to have, you begin to partake of. I don't know about you, but don't you want to sit in the lavished table with all the meat? <laughs> Think of like the best steak ever. <laughs> I'm a steak person, right? <laughs> the best steak ever you could possibly have, the best fruit, the best everything that you could imagine in your mind. You know that not even your mind can comprehend the best of the best. I like to watch these king movies in the natural because I like to look at their tables. Do you, have you ever seen the tables and how they're laid out? They're just like so immaculate and beautiful. And like they stack up the fruit a certain way. And like everything is so perfect, even on their plates. That's the closest thing I could come up with, with how Solomon's table looked when the feast was going on and Queen Sheba came. And I was like... My God, that is what you have for us. That is what we were meant to sit at was that table. Not the broken table that we have to put things under to hold it up sometimes. Not the table that doesn't have enough that we have to pray over for God to multiply in that table. It was, it's immaculate, and God wants to lavish us this season with his blessings like you've never known before. But if you keep trying to figure things out like Agenai and trying to make your own will happen, be okay with what he's given you this season. That's wisdom. Somebody gave that to me one time. They told me, once you keep fighting the very thing you were doing before and you agree with what God's given you this season, you will see the blessings come. And I took heed to it. And I said, you're so right. I was starting to complain of what I thought I lost from another season when 
I didn't understand what he's given me this season and take it as a blessing and sit in the goodness and the position he's given you right now. Even when I was cleaning the toilet of the church and scraping the floors, I had to sit in that season. You know why? Because I knew that wasn't where I was going to stay. Where you're at right now is not where you're going to stay. You're in the process like the king of London was. For years and years, he was taught and trained. He was poured into. He was told every day how he was supposed to function, how he was supposed to speak, how he was supposed to carry himself. And then one day, which was this past weekend, he was crowned. God is trying to crown you, and he's trying to make you understand that you are king and priest of his house, and he's trying to give you your identity and your purpose and your destiny. Don't fight it anymore. Your flesh says no, but your spirit always says yes. And if you learn to listen to the spirit inside of you more than you do your mind, you will see God come in, manifest in your life like you've never seen him before. There's a shift here. Let's just stand this afternoon. There's a shift happening right now. And see, God's not going to force something on you. He's going to lead you to it, and he's going to say, okay, now you've seen it. Now you've been told about it. Now grab hold of it. Because if you don't grab hold of it right now, now that it's fresh, it's in the air, the new manna, the new things. We talked about that, the horses. And it meant Javier means the new house. He's creating a new house in me and you. Why? I did this whole article about the honey houses coming, coming around. There's a honey house trying to be created inside of you that all you taste is his goodness and that you know that he's good and that his thoughts of you are good every day and that when you wake up in the morning, you wake up telling yourself, yes, I'm king and put your name there. I'm queen and put your name there. You have to say, if you have to tell yourself this every day until it finally seeps in your spirit of who you are called to be for the king of all kings, who is your papa, your father. If you had a king in the natural, you would have kingship. Our father in heaven is a king of all kings. You have kingship. You have authority. Understand it in your mind that you were not born just to be born. You were born with a purpose and a destiny. And I'm telling you today, let him lead you. Let him open doors for you like a gentleman does. Let him come and say, oh, Oh, queen so-and-so. Oh, king so-and-so. I'm opening up this door for you. You can come right in. I'm, I'm closing this door. But no, I want that door open. No, that door is not going to be open this season. As much as you want it, I'm closing the door. Let it close behind you. Because he knows what's best for me and you. We don't know what's best for ourselves. He knows what's best for us. So we have to depend on him with our mind, our body, and our soul. That's what that scripture means. Search me, oh God. If there's anything inside of me that is not in agreement with what heaven has already spoken over my life, that you would begin to remove those things. He's removing things because he wants to replace his goodness inside of you. The fruits of the spirit.
And when he replaces it with the fruits of the Spirit, then you know you'll see his hand move in your life. And then he'll come down with favor. And then he'll come down with lavishing you in your life. When I was in darkness and I lived a bad life, I had havoc all the time. My car was broke all the time. I was getting attacked so bad all the time. But I didn't know who he was. And I didn't understand that the attacks were going, that I was going through was because of what he called me to do. I didn't understand that. So I was like, wow. And I agreed with it sometimes. And I didn't realize. I was like, man, the car broke. I can't pay the light bill. I can't do this. And I would go through this whole process, and I would get depressed and sad. And all this stuff would happen to me until one day, until one day I discovered that there was something God had created me for. I would literally tell the Lord, why did you let me live, Lord? Why didn't you let me die when I tried to kill myself? And the Lord said, because you have a great destiny and a purpose. That's why you didn't die. That's why you, when you got sick, you lived and you made it through that. That's why you're still here today. You haven't completed your purpose and your destiny for the Almighty One. You don't have to ask anymore. I'm telling you today. You're here because there's things for you to do as kings and priests for the kingdom of God. If he hasn't taken you off the earth yet, there is a reason. There's a purpose. You don't have to be confused or dismayed any longer or wondering, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, seek the Holy Spirit. Seek the Lord. Seek his kingdom. And all of righteousness will be given to you. He'll make you right with him because of what he did on the cross. You don't make it happen. He makes it happen. God, we pray this afternoon, Lord, that your will would be done in our lives, Lord. Oh, we don't want anything you haven't given us this season, Lord. We only want what you've ordained for us to have, Lord. Even the things we've prayed for, and they weren't in agreement with heaven, Lord. Oh, remove them today, Lord. Close every door that is not of you this season, Lord. And only leave open, Lord, the doors that you've opened for us, Lord. You need to say it with your own mouth. I'm telling you right now, I can't say it for you. You have to speak it over yourself. You have to say to the Lord this morning, close every door that's not of you this morning, this afternoon. Close every door, Jesus. Every door that maybe I've tried to keep open. Every door that I've, I've tried to open myself, Lord. And only leave open the doors that you have opened for me this season. Oh, Lord, create us to be honey houses in this house, Lord. <laughs> Give us a new house, Lord. Give us a new house, Lord. Give us a new house, Lord. Oh, Jesus, give us our ministries today, Lord. Let there be a new beginning today, Lord. <laughs> give us a new beginning, Father. <laughs> it's a new chapter. It's a new day. His mercies are new every day. Why are his mercies new every day? So we could move in power. <laughs> oh, take his mercy today. 
Take it like a cup that he serves up to you this afternoon. And say, God, I drink your mercy, Lord. I drink your mercy, Lord. I drink it all this afternoon, Lord. That the power comes only from you, Lord. Oh, we honor you as king this afternoon, Lord. Tell him how much you honor him this afternoon. Oh, we were singing about him being worthy of our praise. <laughs> Worship him right now. Give him your praise. Give him your everything this moment. <laughs> I saw light switches turning on right now. Oh, <laughs> I saw him coming in when there was darkness. He came and turned on the light in certain areas, even in your mind and in your soul and in your spirit. And he's like, I want you to see it the way that I see it. Oh, Sheena. Let the lights turn on today, Lord. <laughs> Lavish us in your goodness, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've poured out this, this day, Lord, for us, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your blessings, Lord. Thank you for not always giving us what we ask you for, Lord. <laughs> but thank you for giving us, Lord, what you want to give us, Father. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Just begin to thank your Father right now. Just begin to thank him right now. See, your breakthrough is in the Thanksgiving. We don't have to wait for Thanksgiving in the natural. In the body of Christ, we should be thankful every day. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for touching each one of us this afternoon, Lord. Thank you for shifting and moving things. <laughs> that we didn't want to move ourselves, God, but you move it, God. <laughs> oh, your goodness, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just feel the Lord wants to pour out fresh oil this afternoon. <laughs> just, just extend your hands up in the, in the air. <laughs> See, when we have fresh oil that God sends us, things become easy again. They become easy and there's no hardship with the fresh oil. He's going to make things easy again. <laughs> There's going to be a flow, a flow, a flow from heaven right now with this oil. Just begin to grab it in the spirit. <laughs> Say, God, I receive your fresh oil, Lord. Let things be easy again. <laughs> We're not going to be strivers anymore. <laughs> Striving for things, God. Not a beggar, God. But as kings and priests, God, that you would send your fresh oil, God, the anointing, God, from heaven this afternoon, Lord. Help us to see and hear the way that you see and hear, Jesus, with this fresh oil, Lord. 